The case for and against a city income tax hike. Has the city cut all that it can? Just how would opponents solve the problem without a tax increase? We'll address these issues and more as we debate the Columbus income tax hike on Columbus on the Record. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at COSI, this is Columbus on the Record. WOSU-TV's weekly analysis of the top stories affecting Central Ohio. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Andrew Ginther, tax increase supporter and member of Columbus City Council. And William Todd, chair of Basics First and opponent of the tax increase. Thanks for joining us for what likely will be the last big debate before Tuesday's vote on the Columbus income tax hike. We'll get right to the issues in a moment, but first some simple rules on this uh, program. This will be a lot like a normal Columbus on the record, fairly informal debate, of course, on an important topic. There are no time limits on the answers, but we have promised a mug to our participants if they keep their answers short and to the point, and I will ask follow-up questions. And to help us get right into it, please allow me to speak for the panelists and thank WOSU, the Council for Public Deliberation, family members, friends, and colleagues of Mr. Ginther and Mr. Todd. Andrew Ginther, first up, this is a tough economy. People are struggling to pay their bills. People are being laid off. How do you convince them that the city has done enough for them to pay more in income taxes? Well, I think you, you take a look at what we have done. Uh, roughly since uh, 2001, we've reduced our general fund budget on a continuation uh, perspective by $160 million. Significant cuts, uh, everything from uh, neighborhood health centers to recreation and parks, as well as uh, also our uh, social service programs that we have in place and contracts with agencies throughout the city. Uh, code enforcement's been cut by 15%. Uh, refuse collection has taken a hit. So there, there are lots of cuts that have been made along the way. Uh, some of the most significant and severe felt this year, and that's why we felt like this is the time to go to the voters and ask them what type of future they want for their city. Do we want to maintain this quality of life and provide these basic and essential city services, or do we want to slide backwards? And that's the case ultimately that's before the voters to decide. Bill Todd, you say the city has not proved its case does not need this tax increase. Specifically, what is your plan to solve this budget deficit? Mike, I think there are a lot of different things that can be done. I respect uh, Andy's comment on, on the so-called budget cut since 2001, but the reality is that since 2001, almost on an annual basis, the city's revenues have uh, been outstripped by the increases in expenditures, and that's not a good situation to be in. It's like being in your household at home and saying, well, you know what, we're spending more than we're taking in every year. We ran through the rainy day fund when the times were good here in this city. We even blew through a $55 million windfall that uh, the city got from the sale of the, south, uh, the solid waste plant and the solid waste authority. Uh, the reality is this is a long time problem. And one has to question the credibility of City Hall at this point because I can remember vividly two years ago the mayor debating me as we talked about the mayoral campaign and he said there weren't any financial problems in the city. Now we learn that for the last seven or eight years we've had a persistent imbalance, more expenditures, a lot of wasted expenditures at City Hall, a lot of wasted money on capital projects downtown and things not happening that should be happening in the city. Andrew, could the city have avoided this if they had started making cuts earlier instead of dipping into that rainy day fund? Well, I think one of the things that, that I covered uh, earlier is the significant amount of cuts we started making in 2001. 
uh, and, and what the Economic Advisory Committee, that was a group of independent economic and, and financial experts, spent a year looking at the city's finances and operations. And what they discovered is that we have a revenue problem. Uh, three uh, years out of the last 10 years uh, have actually gone down as far as income tax growth, and the other seven uh, have been uh, barely keeping pace with inflation. And so what they clearly lined out uh, in their recommendations and proposals, we have a revenue problem, that we have gotten to a point where we probably have cut everything we can with respect to basic and essential city services, and it's time for us with a reform package and aggressive economic development efforts to go to the voters to ask for revenue enhancement. The city has spent more than it's brought in since 2001, $110 million. Wouldn't it be better to cut a little bit each year during that time, give up some of the extras and things like that rather than come all at once to the voters now? And that's exactly what we've done. I mean, if you, take a, if if you, if you take a look at the record from yeah. 2001 to 2009, first of all, every year, balanced budget. Second of all, difficult decisions that had to be made and efficiency realized. I mean, we've asked our employees to put nearly $6 million more towards their health insurance than we did in 2001 over that period of time. Some uh, BWC uh, premium reforms that we've made have been able to reduce those premiums by $12 million. So we've made some of the tough decisions. Uh, city employees this year took a 2% pay cut. Uh, so uh, everybody's stepping up. Our firefighters deferred and, and passed on their race that they were entitled to because everybody's pitching in to do their part to put Columbus forward and to keep us on track as a great city. Bill, uh, police and fire costs now make up about 70%, give or take, of the city's budget. Last month, during an appearance on WOSU Radio's Open Line program, you said you absolutely would not lay off officers and firefighters. In fact, you said you would like to hire additional police officers and firefighters. Absolutely. With the economy the way it is, how are you going to do that? I think you have to focus on priorities, Mike. That's why the group that I've been associated with is called Basics First. Police and fire, two major critical services that have to be satisfied in the city. Uh, Mr. Ginther has said that the city's budget has been balanced over the last seven or eight years. That's true, but only because we've dipped into our savings. You can't really say that you're balancing a budget when what you do is you look at your income, you look at your outflow, and take money out of your savings every year. If we all did that in our fam with our families, we would all have empty bank accounts and we'd be at the end of the period and realize we're in the situation the city's in that today. That savings is gone now. How do you maintain those police officers and firefighters given the current situation? I think that what you need to do with uh, the city right now is to take a comprehensive look at the financial picture of the city. Not only the capital budget, but also the operating budget. Too much of the discussion during this debate has been about the operating budget. One of the things that most people don't realize in the city of Columbus is 25% of the city income tax money goes for capital improvements on an every year basis, whether or not that money should be used for operating expenses. That should be a flexible percentage based on the situation, based on the requirements of the city at any particular point in time. And the reality is that we're in a particular circumstance now when we need to be lessening our capital improvement budget, increasing our operating budget. My comment about increasing fire and police is because, again, over the last seven or eight years, uh, the city has not dealt with a very important issue, and that's called the DROP program. Let's get, let's get to the, that set aside. Andrew, it's 25% of the city's income tax revenue is set aside to pay for the, the loans that the city has taken out to pay for these road projects, police station projects, fire truck purchases, bridges downtown, things like that. Wouldn't it be prudent for next year only to say, 
you know what, we're not going to take all of that money. We might take all of that 25% set aside and use it to pay for firefighters and police officers, other services, in the hopes that the economy starts to turn around just for one year. Why not do that? I think that that really points out the fundamental difference between folks who support issue one and those that do not. Uh, we believe that those that support issue one, that an income tax is the most fair, progressive way. Folks who will pay more will be based on what they earn. Uh, obviously, to do away with the SIT, either to reduce it or to eliminate it, even for a year's period of time, those debt service payments that are already out there on notes that have already been issued are still due. And so a property tax would be levied by the city of Columbus if that was done for the first time since 1956. We believe property taxes are more regressive than income taxes. There are many other cities that have trash fees. There are many other uh, cities that have different types of charges and fees that charge just the people that live in the city of Columbus. The great part about this is not only is it more fair, but it excludes seniors, milita uh, military benefits, those that um, are on disability. Uh, it also uh, includes folks that work in the city of Columbus because it's important to us whether you're driving from Grove City or Bexley or Dublin through Columbus to get to your place of employment. You're driving on our roads. Our police and firefighters respond to your emergencies during the course of your workday. And it's part of the regional's economic driver of downtown that's so critically important. So it's a fundamental difference between property taxes or income taxes. We think income taxes are more fair. Bill, would you support a, a property tax increase of however much to do as you suggest and reduce that set aside or eliminate that set aside on a temporary basis? Mike, I think that uh, part of it is being flexible and looking at your capital and operating account on a year-by-year -year basis. I don't think you can just set, as the city did uh, over 25 years ago, an automatic allocation of 25% of the uh, city income tax revenue to a, a capital improvement budget, which largely gets wasted on extravagant downtown projects. But let me address something about the characteristics of this income tax. Unlike most progressive income taxes that we think about at the state or federal level, this is a flat rate. It applies to the first dollar of income. I think it is incomprehensible to me why the city couldn't come up with a better plan than raising the income tax on people earning dollars below the federal poverty line in the middle of a recession. It's incomprehensible. I can't understand why they couldn't be a little bit more creative, come up with some sort of earned income tax credit, and say for people who are below the federal poverty line, we are not going to raise their taxes so we can create a bigger capital slush fund downtown. Let's get to a source of revenue that just was announced this week. The federal government, part of its policing stimulus grants, has awarded the city $12.7 million to pay for uh, police officers for three years. Uh, salary and benefits, the city has to pick up the fourth. Does that reduce the amount of taxes you need to raise through this income tax if you can save 50 firefighter jobs for four years? It, it's actually just relegated to police officers. It, it doesn't include firefighters. Yeah, uh, uh, but we're thrilled. I mean, the President of the United States continues to deliver for the city of Columbus. Obviously, earlier this year, thrilled to welcome him here as he helped us restore and have a, a great group of police cadets become police officers through his help through the stimulus package. We're thrilled to have his support and his effort. You know, but really what we're talking about is roughly $4 million a year over the next three years and we have about a $115 million deficit. So it is very, very helpful because it will allow us to uh, do a better job preparing for drop. As, as Mr. Todd has already mentioned, we were you know, ramping up our classes until this year when we've had no police and fire classes to put ourselves in position for drop and its impact in 2011. And so this support from the federal government will help us do that with 
effect to police, but obviously drop is also going to impact the division of fire, and we need to do everything we can to be ready for that. Conceivably, those who are close to retirement are making the most. Don't you have built-in savings there by replacing the experienced firefighters and police officers with less sure. experience? Sure, but the other thing you need to take into account is the amount of time we are paying uh, firefighters and police officers as their cadets going through the training academy and while they're you know just starting off with the force what we hope to do and, and what was proven successful and one of the reasons among many that both our division of fire and division of police are widely recognized as some of the best in the country international accreditation is because of the very thorough training experiences they go through and the mentoring relationships they have with more ex experienced officers and firefighters when they the, serve the people get to the the, the threat or the, the the reality you know, voters are getting these flyers in the mail that are saying this challenge, the challenges we face are very real. No mistake, this crisis is real. They're talking laying off 297 uh, police officers, 289 firefighters. I take it if it fails, you as a member of city council would not support a budget that does not include those exact numbers of layoffs? Well, I think the, the numbers that have been uh, put forth are, are based on department and division recommendations to the mayor's office. As you know, the mayor has to propose a budget to us by November 15th, and then council gets involved in the process. Uh, we have not laid off a police officer, officer or firefighter in the city of Columbus. I'm very proud of that. There are many cities across this country who have had to make that very, very difficult decision. Uh, I remain firmly committed. There is not a more sacred bond than a government has with its people to, to make sure that they are safe. And our police officers and firefighters are critical to that. It would only be done and as, as an absolute last resort. So but I'm confident that issue one will pass and that we'll continue to maintain the best division of police and fire so in the country. Are these numbers real? If there's a chance we're only going to lay off 150, as, as bad as that might be, it's not 300. I'm going to do everything in my power to ensure we don't lay off one firefighter or police officer in the city of Columbus. Bill, you have mentioned you'd like to see the city farm out, outsource its trash collection system to Swaco. Isn't that basically amounting to a, a backdoor trash fee uh, that you'd, you'd place on the on the city's residents? I would like to hope not, Mike, but let me go back to your earlier question about what would happen here if issue one doesn't pass. I think what we would see is that council and the mayor would come back with a more focused temporary proposal that would devote a 0.25% increase in the city income tax to fire and police services. That's what should have been done in the first place instead of having an unaccountable uh, large increase on a permanent basis, a 25% increase in the city income tax. Would you tax. support a 25% increase? Would you vote for it? Well, you can't vote for it because you're out of town, but I'm would out you of support town. it? Absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to get into the taxation without representation things, but the reality is, no, I don't get a chance to vote on it. But I would support a, a temporary quarter of a percent increase in the city income tax that was devoted to fire and police services and other basic services of the city. I agree with Mr. Ginter that there is a sacred bond between the city and its residents and its fire and police services to make sure you're, they're all properly supported and that those two key service missions are accomplished and are accomplished in the highest and best way possible. I don't think that a half percent increase, a 25 percent permanent increase in the city income tax is necessary here, particularly when 25 percent of that new increase would also go to capital improvement and not to basic services. No doubt. Um Let's talk about who supports this. You, you agree more often than not with many of the CEOs in, in central Ohio, but uh, a recent poll shows that a majority of CEOs support 
this tax increase. The Chamber of Commerce supports this tax increase. Prominent business leaders like Les Wexner, they support this tax increase. You agree with these folks most of the time. If they're all supporting it, how does your argument that this will hurt business, how does that fly? Well, I'm just trying to apply some common sense to the situation, Mike. Let me give you an illustration here of what's really going on in the state of Ohio, something we just can't ignore. In 2007, in the state, we were able to balance a $55 billion budget. The legislature was able to come up with $55 billion in revenue. This year, just within the last month, the legislature came up with a $51 billion budget, but we couldn't come up with $51 billion in revenue. We needed $9 billion in stimulus money. That tells me within the last two years, 25% of the earning capacity of the state has disappeared. And I think to ignore that is a mistake. We do it at our peril, and we need to begin to readjust for changes in Ohio that have occurred not just on a short-run basis, but on a permanent basis. That is a message that we need to take out of the current budget situation. There are permanent scars in our economy which are not going to change. We need to readjust our expectations, we need to readjust our future, and we need to start thinking about how we're going to manage doing more with less. Andrew, a man you often probably agree with, Governor Strickland, said this is the worst time, this recession is the worst time to raise taxes. That was his justification for not asking for a state tax increase. Won't an extra tax, an increase in the city's income tax, hurt Columbus's economy? Well, I think, you know, to, to Bill's point, I think what's, what's absolutely critical and why the partnership and the Chamber of Commerce and CEOs uh, throughout Central Ohio support issue one is they understand that tax burden is part of it. But the most important thing that drives economic development, drives quality of life, is uh, people who are interested in coming to Columbus because of our great park system our great safety services, our great neighborhoods. It's a place that folks feel welcome and they feel like they can really make a difference in our community. So there's a lot more to it than just tax burden. And uh, that's something we need to continue to focus on and, and make sure that we keep taxes as low as we can. But what also is critical is whether or not we're gonna take a step backwards. Mr. Todd mentioned uh, about the state of Ohio and that's why Columbus is such a special place. There are cities all across the state and arguably across the region and country that would love to be in Columbus's position with the diverse economy, the diverse people, and the great city services. And we can't allow ourselves to slide backward. If we let our quality of life slide, Mike, economic development will soon follow. Let's look at those other cities. Other cities in Ohio face the same economic situation we do, if not a worse situation, because they're more reliant on manufacturing. No other, no other major city in Ohio faces the amount of cuts, at least publicly, they're not facing the amount of cuts that you say Columbus faces. Why is that? I think one of the issues is uh, that we have great city services and the square mileage. I mean, we talked a little bit about this in our, our debate earlier uh, on with the square miles that we cover and that we serve as a city through a very aggressive annexation policy that Mayor Sensenbrenner put in place over 50 years ago. Very wise policy and Columbus has, has reaped the benefits of, for that for decades. Uh, but that also means that services are demanded in areas that are further away from the central city. And to make sure that we continue to keep our response times as low as possible with police and fire, we have mutual aid agreements and other cooperative relationships. But it's important to maintain that uh, those quality services throughout the city of Columbus, sometimes of which going into other counties. Bill Todd, Columbus, if you look at the major cities in Columbus, Columbus has the lowest, they're tied with Cleveland, with the lowest income tax rate. Dayton is higher. Cincinnati is higher, Toledo is higher. Isn't it time that Columbus at least tick up a bit? 
compared to these other cities that don't have these budget problems? Mike, I think that the, the only city that would be higher than Columbus if we take this increase and, and pass it would be Youngstown. I don't think we want to model ourselves on Youngstown. One of the things I think is very important here to think about is, you know, we recently surveyed all of the graduates at OSU uh, the, in the Ohio residents. Uh, the, the graduating class here in 2009, here in Columbus, who've enjoyed all the things that uh, Andy is talking about, 51% said they're leaving Ohio and they're not coming back. We're doing something wrong. And I submit one of the things we've been doing wrong is wasting too much money uh, in government projects. The taxes are too high. We're chasing business away. Don't forget, when we talk about an income tax, the thing that we're really concerned about is not the rate as much as the yield. If you have a 100% tax rate and nothing to tax, you, you get no dollars. The reason Columbus keeps falling so far behind is there's no economic growth in the city. There hasn't been any significant economic growth in the last seven or eight years. And because of that, we continue to have an increase in expenditures from the city, but we don't have a growth in the economic base to support it. And this will exacerbate that situation, and it's something we simply can't afford. I don't want to see our young people leaving Columbus. I don't want to see them leaving Ohio and going to Austin or God knows where. I want them to stay here. I want them to have a chance to have a good job. I think raising taxes in the middle of a recession when we're competing against all those low tax environments around the country is a mistake. I do have to set the record straight, at least on economic development. I mean, it's just not accurate to say that there hasn't been job growth and retention in the city of Columbus. We've got a very aggressive economic development strategy that has helped us uh, retain roughly 6,500 jobs in 2008 and grow by an additional 5,500. So, I mean, we have put in place some very aggressive strategies. And, and I know Mr. Todd continues to refer to Ohio, and Ohio faces many challenges. But Columbus is a pretty special place where companies continue to come grow. Uh, we're growing companies every day. Just launched Syscom out of the uh, growth incubator, 315 Tech Corridor. And it's smart strategic investments in economic development plus the quality of life that puts Columbus above everybody else. But Mike, let me, let me add to that point, and that is uh, early on in, in May, the city council and administration were touting the fact they were bringing a thousand additional jobs here at the Chase Bank headquarters up in uh, or the processing center in Polaris. Now, very interesting thing about that, they recognized the importance of a low tax, in fact, a no tax environment to bring those jobs here. In order to bring that thousand jobs to, to the Polaris Chase Bank facility, they granted a 100% tax credit on the city income tax for eight years, no taxes for eight years. That's what it takes to bring jobs here, not raising taxes. I don't know of any city in the country that is raising taxes or proposing to raise taxes right now like Columbus. It's going to put us at a competitive disadvantage. Let's, let's get to, the, to the, the expense side. Andrew, you have said that if this tax passes, mm -hmm. the city will aggressively look to cut costs wherever it can after the tax passes. Businesses who, who borrow a lot of money to buy another company, they cannot do anything while they're paying off that loan. The banks place strict restrictions on what they can do if they've borrowed that much money. What is the stick, if the voters approve this tax, what is the stick that's going to make city leaders make the cuts you've promised? Well, uh, and, and I'm not sure that they're necessarily cuts. I mean, there are a number of reforms and efficiencies that we're hoping to realize through the reform package that the mayor proposed and council passed a resolution on, hoping to realize an additional 100 to $150 million in savings over the next decade, coupled with very aggressive job and economic development efforts uh, and this revenue enhancement that gives us a plan, a, a plan that will be sustainable for the future uh, of Columbus. 
that's going to be done, a lot of that through uh, collective bargaining. 90% of our employees are members of unions. The process calls forth that we do that at the table in cooperation with them. And we're going to be held accountable a couple of different ways. First and foremost, elections. Every four years, a mayor is held accountable to the voters of Columbus based on what's been committed and what's been proposed. And obviously, council members uh, are held accountable in that way. And we ask you a question. How, how will passage of the income tax and an additional $100 million help you in collective bargaining? Well, I think there are a couple of different things. First of all, if this passes, we still are looking at potentially a $15 million deficit. There's still some very difficult decisions we're going to have to make based as, 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 as a city uh, based on that situation. We're going to also have to make very difficult decisions about what we're going to go back to offering with respect to city services based on that limited amount of revenue and the, the outstanding deficit. So even with $160 million worth of cuts over the last eight years based on a continuation budget in the city of Columbus, we still are going to have to continue cutting spending and tightening our belts, and part of that is going to be through the collective bargaining process. Bill, what, what, what city services would you support eliminating or significantly reducing? If you could be specific, what, what services? Trash fee is one? I think Trash that we collection? need to look at being more efficient in city services. I think that we have to look at whether or not we should start regionalizing government and avoid duplication between county and city. We have to look at law enforcement, at fire services, to determine whether or not we can regionalize and save money. We have to look at trash services. We have to look at recycling. We simply can't afford the legacy cost of 200 years of government here in Ohio in this level. But let me go back to one thing that Andy said before, and I think it's a very important thing. My point of all this is there shouldn't be so much of debate focused on City Hall and what City Hall needs. It should be based on how do we grow this region? How do we bring more good jobs here? How do we make sure our kids are going to have good jobs, that we're going to have good jobs? That's a long-term long solution. I don't think it is, Mike. I think that it'll make it a much longer-term solution if you start raising city income taxes now because people aren't going to want to stay here. And that's the whole point of this. We need to bring jobs to Columbus now. We're if they have to lay off police officers and firefighters and there's longer response times, is that going to make people want to stay here? Mike, I don't believe that it's going to have to, we're going to have to lay off any police and firefighters, and I would never support that. I think that other services should be cut first, and frankly, I think that one of the things that we need to do here is to look very hard at increasing the size of our both services so they don't have to play, uh, pay for unnecessary overtime because we've got too few firefighters manning the stations, not enough police to man the shifts. We're paying unnecessary overtime, and frankly, I'm not sure all the time they want it. All right, that's going to do it. Remember, the City of Columbus residents vote this coming Tuesday, August 4th. Complete coverage of the vote and analysis of the vote on WOSU Radio, WOSU.org, and on Columbus on the Record next Friday night. For our panelists here, for our studio audience, and for our crew, I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week. Okay, now we'll take audience questions. Uh, we've asked our audience to please keep their questions short and to the point. Unfortunately, budget cuts have hit us, and we don't have mugs for you all. But, <laughs> sir, <laughs> go ahead. Hello, my name is Dave Hughes, and I represent the 1,900 Columbus police officers through the Fraternal Order of Police. My question is a clarification from Mr. Todd's earlier statement. Are you now stating that if this current levy should happen to fail, you would now propose another 25% income tax for police and fire personnel? Uh, 
Dave, uh, I, did, I have, I've said that from the beginning, that what this should have been is not a permanent half percent increase in the city income tax. From the beginning, it should have been a quarter percent temporary income tax increase focused on basic services, fire and police primarily. As some of the guys in the room know, but I'm going to tell you this, and this is why I'm, I can tell you this and make this promise. My dad was a fireman. I believe very strongly in supporting the fire and police services. What? Andrew, let's look again at this, at this. Should the city have gone for a temporary income tax? Isn't that an easier sell? Hoping I mean, the economy will bounce back at some point and revenues will increase? I think you ask a, a very fair question. Um, and uh, if you were looking for the easy route, I don't know many politicians that line up uh, uh, 12 deep to ask people to raise their own taxes. It's not exactly a very politically popular position. Uh, if I wanted a political gimmick, or to be uh, politically expedient. Maybe that's an argument to be made. The issue is the Economic Advisory Committee uh, spent a year looking at the last 10 years of operations, revenues, and expenditures in the city of Columbus, and they said, you know, your revenue is just not keeping up with the demand uh, for city services, uh, and you're going to have to tighten your belt, make cuts, make some reforms, aggressively go after jobs, uh, and you're going to have to ask for additional taxes. Uh, nowhere in the Economic Advisory Committee uh, was it ever described that it was this last recession. Remember, we've had two recessions uh, in the last eight years. Uh, it wasn't the last recession that put us in this place. It is a long-term structural imbalance that we've got to address through what we're describing, and, and I don't believe that making it easier for me is what's in the best interest of the future of Columbus. Okay. Sorry, there's people behind you. If we could get to Yes, I understand. I was a clarification that I had a question. I just want to make sure I understood that. Okay. okay. So my question, thank you for the clarification, Mr. Todd, but with the constant threat of pandemic flu outbreaks and the two arrests of known terrorists by the FBI in the city of Columbus, if your 25% levy should fail, what would be your plan to replace the loss of over 500 police officers due to drop and forced layoffs at the end of the 2010, excuse me, 2012 year, and how long would it take in years to replace these 500 officers? We should have started doing it five years ago, Mr. Hughes, as you know. We've known the drop program was coming from the last five years, and City Hall has been uh, deaf to the pleas from the police service that we needed to fix this problem. I, and I've been saying it for several years, too, as, as many of you know. We need to start yesterday. We need to get police recruits in now. We need to find other places to cut. We need to start talking about regionalization of services. And yes, I would support a 0.25% increase for police and fire because we have to do that. We've got to do the same thing for the fire service. We have to make sure there's enough men and women in the stations and they're properly supported with the right equipment and they're doing it because they're doing the jobs that we need to have done. Mr. Ginther again went back to my basic point here though, and that is there's a structural imbalance in the budget. There are a variety of different cuts in the budget that have been suggested by the Howarth Commission. They haven't even scratched the surface of doing that at City Hall, number one. And number two, it is a revenue issue. But the revenue issue is not because we need to raise the rates of the city income tax. It's because we need more good jobs in Columbus. The bigger the tax roll, the more we collect. Okay, let's go to our next questioner. Go ahead, sir. Hello, my name is Harold LaRue, and I represent Small Business Downtown. I see downtown getting more active over the last several years. Mr. Todd has repeatedly criticized downtown development, and Councilmember Ginther has stated that it has brought in jobs. Mr. Todd, do you oppose the private sector developments or just the city investment? 
And would you stop the city investing in areas like the Arena District, even if that means the private companies would quit investing too? Mr. Leroux, I, I, my sense of this is this, that we need to do a better job of enlisting private capital in the development efforts. I think too much in the way of city funds has been invested in things like the Scioto Mile Project, the bridge to nowhere, as I've described it, over Main Street, which is now about $50 million over budget. Those kinds of investments are not prudent, smart investments. What we need to do is support small business owners. And one of the ways you support small business owners and encourage economic development in the community is keep the tax rates low. Andrew, those projects, there is federal money in there, so it's not all city dollars. The downtown projects are really a small portion of the overall capital budget because they, they fix streets in the neighborhoods, sure. pay for firefighter, I mean, mm -hmm. for fire engines. But still, in a, in a, with a looming recession, is it wise to spend all this money on nice bridges and extensive parks downtown? I got I to gotta stand up for the people of Columbus's oldest neighborhood. I've heard uh, the bridge uh, to nowhere comment a few times by opponents of issue one. And the people of Franklinton and the west side and the hilltop do not live nowhere. Uh, they are part of the greater Columbus community and family. Uh, but most importantly, back to the SIT and the investment in downtown. Downtown Columbus drives the economic uh, uh, life of the region. And the downtown Columbus is critically important to you know, companies that are inside 270 and outside 270. We get a great return on the investment with respect to SIT investments. Just in downtown, Business First just did a story about 10 days ago. For every dollar spent on downtown improvements and infrastructure, the city chips in 15 cents. So 85 cents out of every dollar is being brought in either by other public sources or disproportionate about $200 million worth of investment has come from the private sector. I believe that the private sector, in cooperation with government, is making a dramatic impact and improvement in downtown economic development. Sir, go ahead, please. Uh, good evening. Jack Lundberg, a self-employed businessman. Um, my question is directed to Mr. Ginther. Uh, you had mentioned earlier that there was an economic advisory panel that came back with some recommendations that I'd like to quote. The people who work for Columbus should receive less in city benefits, and in fact, Columbus picks up the entire pension contribution for about two-thirds of its workers. In 2008, that amounted to $43 million, or about 8% of general revenue funds. My question is two parts. What has this administration done in the past nine years to address those overages, and what do you plan to do in the future years? Most of the work that we've done, I, I mentioned earlier, uh, it has to do with uh, health care premiums as well as workers' comp reform and also asking uh, employees to take a 2% uh, pay cut this year. Uh, obviously, the PERS pickup is, is unique to city employees, uh, and it's something that we're going to have to continue to look at. What's important for us to remember is the entire benefits package, whether it's retirement, whether it's you know, health insurance, vacation, sick time, all those types of things we're going to have to address through the collective bargaining process. And what we've set forth, both recommendations from the mayor and by way of resolution by council, is that we're going to aggressively go after some of those items through the collective bargaining process. That's the way it works. And 90% of our employees are members of unions. So we're going to go about doing this the right way. But you're absolutely right. We're going to have to continue to make some changes and work very hard on those issues to make sure that the benefits our civil servants receive are in line with other civil servants around the state and the country. The opponents say, Andrew, I, I asked you before, that this tax amounts to a, to a blank check and there's no, there's no real incentive for the city to really take a hard line. Because those, those proposals that the report recommends 
are going to be controversial. They're not going to be popular with the unions. How do you do that if you've got this the income tax revenue set permanently? Well, I think one of the things we do need to recognize from the beginning is that a number of our employees that are part of unions and that are not part of unions have made several sacrifices to get us to support where we are Seventy-two percent of your budget is police and fire, Absolutely. and they are in unions. And I understand that. And, and, and those folks have made sacrifices. We mentioned about firefighters giving up their raise. The police officers have worked without a contract since 2007. Uh, a number of our safety personnel that aren't in uniforms have taken cuts and furloughs and pay cuts as well. So uh, we need to acknowledge that, first of all, that they want to be part of the solution with the administration and making sure that uh, we set the city on a sustainable course for a great economic future. And part of that is going to require all of us pitching in and doing our part and asking um, our employees uh, to shoulder some of the other burdens and costs uh, that other civil servants do. But that's going to be difficult because it's going to be done through that process. And as collective bargaining works, you also have to give in order to get some of those benefits back. Todd, would you say that the Columbus firefighters and police officers are overpaid and their benefits are too generous? I would never say that. But what I would say is this, is that, again, we need to look at where we are in Ohio and in central Ohio. And we have to look at what our expectations are and wonder whether or not we're going to be able to meet those expectations. I mean, one of the things that has kept me in Ohio in the 30-plus years I've been practicing law here in Columbus was that this was a city with a bright future. It was a place where I always thought my kids would want to come back and settle in because there were opportunities here. There were opportunities for them to grow, to do well, to get jobs. I'm afraid we've gone off that track. And the reason we've gone off that track is because we have not created a business-friendly environment. We do have a revenue problem here in the city. of. Uh, we are not keeping up with the pace of expenditures. And it is nice to have all of the bells and whistles that you'd like to have in a city. But the first and fundamental task has to be making sure that we have revenue growth. And how do you make revenue growth? By attracting business, make a business-friendly environment, and getting jobs here. I mean, it's a very simple, simple equation. Let's go to our next question. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Roseanne Hicks. I'm a candidate for Columbus City Council. My question is directed at Mr. Ginther. How much responsibility does the city take for the current situation that they're in? If you could rate where you, up until this situation occurred, where you thought your priorities were. I know that the firefighters with talking with them said that there are some places in the city of Columbus that, you know, receive a 10 to 12 minute response time when the city's investing money in theaters and other, you know, things that are nice, but not necessary. You know, how do you, how do you rate the city's priorities? Uh, well, obviously, I read them. I, you know, Grandma used to say, it's not what you say, it's what you do. And you take a look at this general fund budget, and I think we placed the highest priority on public safety. Uh, no police officer, no firefighter has ever been laid off in the city of Columbus, and we take great pride in that. In fact, we have more police officers and firefighters now than ever in the city's history, which is important because we've got more area to cover and we've got more people to serve. Uh, so all those things fly in the face. Unfortunately, of what Mr. Todd has said, I'm not sure what Columbus you've been in, in the last 30 years, but I think actually the city of Columbus is continuing to grow and thrive, both with, with respect to population, economic development, the amount of young people that we are aggressively going after, keeping that are in the undergraduate and graduate programs at private and public universities in the area. So uh, I would prioritize, and it, you know, we're going to continue to focus on making public safety our number one priority. And that's why they've been such a large part of this, this effort around issue one. This is why police officers and firefighters have volunteered on their own time 
to go out and aggressively campaign for issue one because they're committed to our neighborhoods and making sure our neighborhoods are safe. And that's why this is so important. Well, let me respond to that. I mean, I, I hear Mr. Ginther saying that things are, 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 are great here in River City, but the reality is, as he said repeatedly, we have a revenue problem. The Howarth Commission said we have a revenue problem. And the revenue problem is that the employment base is not growing fast enough to meet the expenditure targets of the people at City Hall. The reality is the expenditures have been growing at about a 3.6 uh, annual rate in this administration, and the growth rate has been something less than 3%. So there's been a deficit every year for the last seven or eight years, which is why we had to spend the rainy day fund, which is why there is nothing left of the windfall from the Swaco how deal. Much, how much of increased business would you predict the city would achieve if voters reject this income tax and the taxes do not increase? In the next year, how much revenue, how much increased business would the city get? Mike, I don't think it's just a matter of the approving or disapproving this tax increase. What I think it is, is a recommitment and rededication to a principle that I think is so important here, and that is we want to have a sign-up at Columbus Boundaries. This city is open for business. We're going to bring business here. We're going to attract business. We're going to do everything we can. If we are really doing such a great job of holding people here, then why are 51% of the OSU grads leaving the state? Well, we're, in the short term, they have to balance the budget, and that's coming up in November and into the, into the wintertime. Absolutely. These jobs aren't going to appear in the next six months. No, but I think we should start immediately in trying to attract those jobs. And in the meantime, how do we balance the budget? I think we do a couple of things. I think we take a real hard look at our capital expenditures. We take a real hard look at our operating expenditures. We cut wherever we can and if necessary. And I've suggested that we bring in some outside experts in municipal finance, people who are not beholden to City Hall in any way, who are not on the payroll, who don't work with clients, who are not trying to get money out of City Hall now. Let's bring in some outside people, some fresh ideas, a new approach. Clearly, if we have a persistent structural imbalance, as Mr. Ginther has said, then we're doing something wrong and we need to fix that problem. We obviously aren't doing it with the current talent we have. We need to bring people in from outside. Let's do that. Would, you, thing, would you support that? Somebody coming from outside, aside from the city auditor, aside from the city's financial director, aside from city council, aside from the mayor's office, as you talk about trying to find efficiencies as you go forward, even if the, if the tax, in, uh, tax increase is approved, would you support an independent auditor to come in and take a fresh look at this? Well, I, th I think we already have. I wouldn't exactly call Phil Urban, uh, Carl Court, and uh, uh, leaders from and Bob Howarth, uh, City Hall insiders. Those are folks that spent over a year looking at city finances, revenue, and expenditures over the last decade. Uh, so we welcome that. Uh, you know, the City of Columbus is widely recognized across this country uh, for uh, financial responsibility. It's, we're the only city in America, only large city in America. Uh, has a AAA bond rating from all three rating agencies. There are that saves us. Uh, Mr. Dorian just told me recently one downgrade in that AAA bond rating would cost us roughly twenty-three million dollars during the life of that that bond. So, I mean, there are very important things that we're doing at the City of Columbus. But I do need to get back just for a second, Mike, to this argument that it is simply uh, about tax burden and that an income tax increase would kill economic development in Columbus because that's just not true. That might be a philosophical, ideological argument made by some, but if you look at the city of Columbus and the city of Columbus's history, growth with respect to economic development, job creation, businesses coming and flocking to Columbus, and young people wanting to be here, every time the city has had to increase taxes, which previously had been in 11-year increments, it's been 27 years since taxes have been raised in the city of Columbus. Job creation, economic development, 
and population continue to grow because Columbus's quality of life. If taxes are important in attracting business, why does the city keep offering tax abatements? You know, tax increment financing, uh, property tax incentives for folks to build condos downtown, mm -hmm. to attract companies here, uh, forgiving income taxes for companies who want to locate downtown. If taxes aren't a factor in that, shouldn't this, is the city giving away the store there? Well, it's, it's never been an argument that I made that they're not a factor. And it does give us a competitive advantage against other cities and places around the country. If we are able to offer economic incentives, and what we're continuing to offer are economic and development incentives that if they bring jobs here or expand here, then we give them a portion of the income tax revenue that the city would have received. But even the Chase deal that, that Mr. Todd raised earlier, even in the midst of a very significant aggressive package, which we had to offer against states, as he's mentioned, states around the country, Arizona and Texas and other places, th what made that deal work was the quality of life and the great neighborhoods of Columbus. And, and they and also had a facility here. They had a facility here. And even with those incentives being offered, the city is going to still realize a net revenue increase of $5 million every year. Our next question. Go ahead, please. Hi, I'm Alicia Healy. I'm also running for Columbus City Council. I just want to say um, we've been hearing a lot that the uh, budget has been balanced the last eight years, but yet we dipped into the rainy day fund. So if this tax, income tax, is approved, how can we trust that the money will go to the services that are needed, like fire and police? I'd go, go back to the same point that, you know, look at the budget. I mean, uh, 10 years ago, safety uh, consumed about 63% general fund budget. It's now pushing 75%. Critical neighborhood city services, the last time taxes uh, were increased were roughly about 72% of essential city services, refuse, police, fire. Uh, recreation and parks. It now constitutes 85% of the general fund budget. So I would take a look at the track record and the history. Uh, and with respect to balancing the budget, every year the city of Columbus has had a balanced budget. We, we have a triple. We have we have, a, we have a triple A bond rating, and we are widely recognized as the most financially stable and well-respected city anywhere in America. And if if anybody wants to have an argue, argument about our financial stability and our fiscal discipline. I'd be happy to introduce him to Hugh Dorian, who has helped put us on the map in that. Well, and I, and I, you would concede, though, that the city has been spending more than it's coming in. That's coming in, sure. even though you've balanced the budget by yep. using the rainy, rainy day fund. That's correct. Okay, Bill. Well, but but that's like saying um, we're borrowing money to to balance the budget by going into the rainy day fund. It's not a balanced budget when your expenditures outstrip your 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 receipts. The problem here is. You, we are not competitive with nearby cities. We're not doing as well as in Indianapolis. Pittsburgh's going to have a budget surplus this year. Other cities in this region even are doing far better than Columbus in terms of managing their finances. Here, we seem to have an excess of expenditures over our ability to generate receipts. Now, we either rein in expenditures at City Hall, and I think we do it by targeted temporary tax increases, not by long-term blank checks to City Hall. Credibility, I think credibility is a huge issue here. I think the fact that out of the blue on Thursday, or on Wednesday, we learned that there was going to be a windfall from federal stimulus money, 
and no one knew about it in connection with this campaign or the budget discussion before that, must raise a red flag about credibility with City Hall. I think the other thing that does well, is we have persistently been told that there is no budget issue in the City of Columbus. And now we find out that it's been going on for eight years and that we have evaporated the rainy day fund when the sun was shining. Let me, let me ask you, what expenditures would you support cutting? I'm still a little unclear what exactly you would support cutting. Mike, I think one of the things that we have to do is, is look at, just as the state has, at furloughs, I think we have to look at very carefully at so trying to... done that, though. They've had that fed Not to the degree the state of Ohio has. Not anywhere near close to it. And I think it's one of the things that needs to be looked at in the short run because we are in a very serious short-run problem in addition to the long-term issue. I think they're two different problems. They have both coincided at the present time to create this... St perfect storm, if Besides you will. furloughs, what else would you suggest they cut? I think that one of the things we need to look at in the short run is, is outsourcing the trash service. Wouldn't that be a fee, though, if you gave it to Swaco? It might be. I mean, that would be up to the Swaco board to decide. But it's one of those things that would have to be looked at. I would rather see us impose a fee for the trash service than lay off a single policeman or fireman. Just have a couple minutes left. Go ahead. Hi. Um, my name's Rebecca, and I'm like a low-wage worker. And this tax hike, if it passes, means $150 a year to me. And I, you just haven't made the case to me that you've tried hard enough because it's going to hurt me. I've got utilities going up. My gasoline's going up. There's other taxes that I pay. And it's significant for me. So I think the city has to try harder. I just haven't made the case. And it, you all behind your campaign have tons of money for the yes campaign. There is no campaign. Do you, do you have There's a question, not one dollar. Oh, my question? Yes. Okay, my question is why, why don't you do something like have a mandatory income tax file for Columbus? Right now, I don't think you're collecting all the taxes that are due under 2%. Yeah, I, I, you know, that's, it's interesting you raised that point. I uh, talked with Mr. Dorian about this about a month uh, or so ago, and there are some that, that do the mandatory filing. And what he has discovered based on the process and system that we have in place, uh, that it costs us a lot less to do it the way that we're currently doing it. And the difference in what we would realize has been pretty minuscule. And actually, he's been in consultation with the federal government. The Economic Advisory Committee did make that recommendation, and Mr. Dorian is taking another look at it. Uh, but he has looked at it several times, and based on the cost involved and the return on that investment for the mandatory filing, he, he remains convinced that we're doing uh, the most effective, efficient collection of uh, city income taxes. Did he think well, about outsourcing it to regional income tax agency? Uh, I haven't talked to him about that. I'd be happy to. I'll, I'll take a look at any idea that comes down the pike, because you're absolutely right. There are, there are voters just like you throughout this city that are challenging, face very challenging times and feel budgets being pulled and they're being pulled at every, di every different direction. And so I understand that. But the quality of life of the city of Columbus is absolutely essential to make us competitive uh, for the current short term and into the future. And the critical part of that is our neighborhood safety services. And so I look forward, I've got a couple more days to make the case to you and I'm gonna work uh, as hard as I can to make that case by next Tuesday because uh, we want your vote to support this. I already this. voted. Go. Bill, go ahead, please. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> My window's closed. <laughs> well, I, I want to thank you for coming because you're the only one here who's the voice of the people who we should really be thinking about, and that's the taxpayers in this city. The fact of the matter is the people in this city are not doing as well as they were eight years ago. 
We've got over 20% of the city of Columbus residents who are living below the federal poverty line. And the reality is people at City Hall don't even think about that when they do something like impose a city income tax increase. It's going to apply to first dollar income to people below the federal poverty line and no consideration was given that at all. The reality is this is a mistake. These people cannot afford the level of government that our city hall politicians want right now. We're going to have to leave it there. Bill, thanks very much to our participants, City Councilman Andrew Ginther, Bill Todd, an attorney and chair of Basics First. Thanks very much to our live studio audience here at WOSU at COSA. Remember, stay tuned to WOSU 820 for full election coverage. I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good day.